Welcome to the Vegas Gang podcast for January 10th, 2011. Oh, actually, my notes said 2010, so I'm glad I caught that. I'd like to say an extra special hello to our Al-Qaeda listeners. Uh, we're on SATCOM 13, Transponder G, if you're trying to dial us up from your, your cave-based dwelling. Um, we're happy to have you. Uh, I'm going to go around the table and introduce uh, the guys. Mr. Jeff Simpson, author of the fabulous Simpson on Vegas column on the award-winning blog Two Way Hard Three, and new member of Twitter. Welcome, Jeff. Greetings, everyone. Chuck Monster from VegasTripping.com, uh, giver of awards. What's happening, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> From 50 Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> Coming in loud and clear. It's actually 50 Leagues Under the Scotch. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Apology, Scotch. Yes. Um, Dr. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hey there. I'm Hunter Hilligus. I'm at RateVegas.com. Um, before we get into our topics, uh, a quick announcement for um, the folks that are uh, users of the Vegas Mate iPhone app. Uh, there's a version 3.0 was released uh, December 22nd. If you haven't already downloaded that, I recommend you go over to the App Store and get it. It's a free update. So um, Vegas Mate 3.0 is on the App Store for anybody that is a a user of that that product. Um, all right, stories. We've got some stuff. Um, I'm going to start off with the trippies the 2010 trippies were announced this past saturday um i i want to talk about a couple of things but first off uh i wanted to just say thank you to um anybody that voted whether you voted for us in any of our respective categories i know the podcast was nominated i know dave your blog was nominated um, I was nominated in a couple of categories. Just thank you very much to everybody that participated. It is um, it's really great to get that kind of feedback. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the whole reason we do any of this is uh, for people to enjoy it. So it's great to um, to hear that some people do. I want to also say congratulations to our friends Tim and Michelle at Five Honey by Midnight who are five-time consecutive winners for the Best Podcast Award. Uh, they're two of the nicest people you'll ever meet, and uh, they definitely deserve it. So um, big congratulations to them. As they said on their show, they're now uh, in the same category as Circus Circus. Um, <laughs> a, so uh, they're in good company. Um, so anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit, Chuck, about the process and, and the awards, if you're willing to un lift the curtain a little bit. Because, um, you know, you guys do, uh, for those that aren't familiar, um, well, for those that aren't familiar, you should go to VegasTripping.com and click on the, the uh, feature banner for the trippies. You can see all of the results. Um, but, you know, you guys do a lot of categories. And there's the, there's the reader's choice uh, in all these different categories. But then you also take it upon yourselves to do editor's choice. And uh, I think every I think the categories are the same. I think you make a choice in each one. So, um, you know, for some of those, you and your, your you and your staff go to Las Vegas often. So you obviously have a lot of experience. But some of them seem like at least I was looking at them and wondering how 
uh, and thinking to myself that some of them would be hard for me to do. So I'm just wondering, how do you for, for certain categories? How do you decide? Do they have to be based on personal experience? Is it a combination of multiple factors? Like, I, for instance, a poker category. I mean, you know, as far as I know, you're not a big poker player. Maybe I'm wrong, but something like that. Is that a hard one to to pick? Um, and are there other categories like that? Uh, yeah, there. You're absolutely right. You know, some things I have more experience in than other things, and. The ones that I don't really know a lot about, I refer to a trusted network of people, a group of people that I know who are really into it. I, you know, I have probably about 10 or 15 relatively close buds, some closer than others, who go and play poker all the time. They play at the bike like two or three nights a week here. You know, they go to uh, wherever they go. They play in the, in the World Series of Poker. There's guys I know who's, uh, who actually has a couple of bracelets and whatnot. You know, so I ask folks, where do you play? Why do you like it? And a wide range of people, uh, and none of them actually are on the website, which is a pretty good thing because like, I don't want them to kind of get involved in the discussion, the ins and outs and stuff. just want their sort of opinions separate separate and away from all this stuff. Expert opinions. Expert opinions, you know, expert opinions from people who, who do things and different types of people because some people like like local folks who want to just kind of shoot fish in the barrel, particularly with poker, you know, they're just looking for people who are coming out of town that they can fleece. You know, what's a right. good place for that? Some people who are coming in from out of town who uh, come for – Let's say the the WSOP, and then they bust out and play other places. You know, for the other week that they're kind of hanging around. Where do they like to play? Where do uh, uh, you know people who are you know what types of things like like different pogroms have different uh, policies on comps? Right. Which ones treat uh, players better in terms of rooms and hotels and deals like that? Some give like cheap scotch some give top shelf scotch to their players you know and, and i just take kind of a lot of this information for various things and you know i i weigh it weigh it all up and whoever makes the most convincing argument and this is the same thing when we have the guys here to talk about this in person with some of the other categories you know whoever makes the most convincing argument you know i'm going to make the decision to to kind of go with it and sometimes you know if we don't know or we don't care we'll punt <laughs> you know we'll punt on the category we've punted on poker before we've punted on we actually removed a sports book we had a best sports book thing we've removed that you know a couple other categories that uh it just didn't feel right to kind of yap about so we took those out so it's it's an always evolving and changing thing so um, you mentioned uh, you know you and your guys sort of hashing it out. I'm curious if you uh, what that process was like, and you know was there um, one of these categories? And you, may, you don't have to name any names, but I'm just curious: was there one of these categories that was contentious that you guys really had a knockdown dragout about? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, person of the year category went down to the day before oh, wow. of the the unveiling of it. We discussed it in person and we kind of had an impasse and we sort of half decided about it. And then, you know, I was like, well, let's just wait a little bit. Uh, mostly let's go to Cosmo to see if it works, you know, to just see if that changes your opinion. It was basically between Yemenijian and Unwin was the discussion. And some people were 
very adamant about one and adamant about the other. We had, you know, I was kind of on the fence with this. I couldn't really tell. So it was great to have a bunch of other uh, real, real heavy discussion and emails back and forth, you know, right up until, you know, the day before the thing was when that was decided. It was pretty, it was, uh, it was very contentious for sure. I guess this is probably the first – I mean I know that Mike was doing some writing last year. But I mean in terms of this last full year, you really had um, you know, three, three other people yeah. consistently contributing quite a bit. So this must have been a little bit different in terms of – Well, last year, Mike and John both uh, contributed their picks. Okay. We, didn't, we didn't get together and have like drinks and hang out and make the decision like beating it apart. Right. I asked them to send me their thoughts, you know, their picks. And, you know, I read through them and I'd ask questions and made decisions, you know, based on what uh, some, in some instances, you know, where we were uh, fighting, if those guys had some kind of idea you know, I there are a few times where I said I disagree with you completely. I'm the boss. I'm making an executive decision, and we're going to go with this. You know, and you, if you guys want to talk me out of it, go for it. I, this is what I think we should right. do. But you know, it was it. It's a lot more fun when you when we have a you know, instead of having two people and then an array of experts to kind of call on for things. You know, it's it's great to have these guys because their opinions are. Phenomenal, as everybody knows who reads their stuff. They're the cream of the crop of smart guys, and it's 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 one. It's 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 fun. It's wonderful, and it's challenging. And I think it makes the the picks a lot more um, have a lot more depth. Well, I, one of the things you know, I was as I was watching the show, it's a lot of fun to participate. But and I was thinking, and um how much more fun would it be to do it live i mean have you ever considered doing a real live um cer- award ceremony i mean obviously the logistics uh might make that difficult but um all things being equal is that something you would ever consider well yeah the the problem is our audience lives on the internet they don't live in las vegas and to get people to come to all of these events you know it's not supposed to be an industry thing Right. You know, it's not supposed to be for um, folks who work there to come and kind of schmooze and talk with each other and say, ah, I won this and you lost that and exchange business cards and, and all that shit. These people, you know, our readers and listeners are the one, two, five or 15 freaks in every city who really, really loves Vegas. And to get all of them together, you know, it's, it was impossible with – with all of us, with the with the uh, the podcast Palooza, it takes a lot a lot of effort to get everybody to to want to commit the time and the money yeah. and expenses and the effort. Sure, it would be great to do something like that live, the live event. You know, da 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 da. da, da. Well, I'd like to thank the members of the right. Academy for ba 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 ba. ba shut up, get off the stage, <laughs> giving out trophies. You know, cocktail party, strippers, blow. I'm into the whole thing. Really, the idea, the concept is great, but you know we're serve, we're serving the readers and they live everywhere. So right. well, that makes maybe sense. a combination of the two would be fun. You know, who knows? We could set some chairs up here in the loft, and uh, we could have a crowd. You know, invitation only crowd here at home. You know, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I don't know. Who knows? It sounds like a fun idea, but uh, it, it also you're right. It would be really difficult to uh, to get it together. 
The other thing is, let's say we have a host hotel. Let's say somebody is a host hotel. Well, what if they win the worst and they win a bunch of the worst? Well, I have a solution. I have a solution. Circus Circus can just host the event from now into perpetuity. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until they until they win something, you know. Uh-oh. But then people are going to accuse us be, of being fixed, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We could that there would be some way to work that. Out. But anyway, um, I want to move on. Uh, before we move off the trippies, though, and I'm going to open this up to um, to everybody. Um, you know, I'm curious if there are any of the readers' choices that really surprised you. And Chuck, I'm sure you have an opinion since you've looked at all of these ex- so extensively. Um, but I'm wondering that that the question is equally valid for uh, for Jeff or Dave if you guys have had a chance to look at the results. Um, if there were any any of them that you kind of just looked at it and scratched your head and said, I don't think I would have chosen that. Yeah, well, you know, there was a lot of things that surprised me with the nominations. Uh, just seeing various places get left off the list, like Rio not even on the best buffet list after them basically pounding this category for 10 years or so. You know, it's been the big gorilla of buffets forever. You know, and what happened that made it go bad? You know, with all the buffet of buffet and the buffet of the buffet buffets. You know, you can do all that stuff. You can go there and go to five other places for 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 semi decent price. So, some of those things, I was really surprised, and you know, happily surprised, but definitely surprised when I saw that you won everything in the internet category. You know, the website, the blog, the, the, the I was Twitter, the app. You know, I saw this and I was like, oh god. You know, if the, if if this isn't right for everybody to say the fucking fix is on it, <laughs> how much is Hunter paying to get this? You know, but I, you know, we didn't give those awards to you. You know, we we gave you the app one, but we the editors didn't vote for you. Right. So <laughs> don't take that personally, but you know, because if it, if the fix was on, then we would have given it to you. Yeah. Well, no, I was. I mean, I, I don't really want to talk about my own. Awards, but I was very surprised by how that all shook out. Um, D- Dave, uh, anything in that list that surprised you? While you're thinking about that, I will. I will just add my two cents. It's actually an editor's pick. You guys picked Fontana for the worst bar. Uh, I wouldn't have picked it for the best bar, but I totally disagree with you on the the worst bar syndrome. I, I think that it it actually still, despite the fact that they, you're right, they shouldn't use it for poker and confuse its status and i think it still provides something that um is hard to find which is like a place for like 40 and 50 year old people to hear live music and not have to be in a nightclub there's not that many of those places left for people that want to go out at night but they're but hate nightclubs um and a place you could like maybe take your you know your third wife or something uh, so I think that it – I think it was maybe a little bit maligned, but um, you know, each, uh, to each his own. Um, you only like that because they have fresh grapefruit juice. I, you know, actually, they will always hold a special place in my heart for that reason. That's, that's <laughs> definitely true. Um, but uh, but Dave or Jeff, any any comment on any of these? I mean I'm sure you have your own opinions in some of these categories. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I saw the, the worst bar, I was thinking that surely if people had seen what we saw at the East Side Lounge, that would be up there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but – um, apparently not, you know, not really, you know, obviously everybody's got a different take on it. Everybody's going to, going to have their own point of view, but no, nothing that totally surprised me. You know, if you'd have seen this Howard winning 
best rooms, then yeah, that right. would be. Right. No, you know, it was pretty predictable. I think it's interesting that Tropicana finished as strong as they did. You know, I think that really says something about what they what they accomplished there. I'm curious to see if the Trop now since since um, Brandy, who worked at the Trop, uh, and I think was, in my opinion, was a, a part of why they were able to. You know, I think both um, a symbol of uh, of the changes that they were making, but also a part of their success. You know, now she 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 quit her job, so I'm just curious to see if if I, I will be uh, curious to see if they present as well next year. I mean, that will obviously be um, really interesting to see because they came out of the gate with a lot of uh, they really came out of the gate strong, and it'll be interesting to see how they do both them uh, in, in the next year and also obviously Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. I think for 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 me, uh, there was there were a couple things. You know, first of all, I criticized publicly some of the nominations, um, some of the finalists who you know the way the way the process works, the public votes picks one, and enough people picked you know um, Tropicana for um, you know best hotel and and. Uh, best strip hotel and i was you know i was critical of of those votes uh but i understood why people made them but what i would like to say is that when it came time to choosing among those nominations enough readers um in in almost every single category i think made you know very sensible selections for um you know the kind of folks who uh you know and 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 you have to you know, sort of look at what's happened in the news over the year and on um, Chuck's site and other sites and see how, what, you know, how that influences people and their perceptions. I think there's obviously a lot of that. I, I really thought the readers' selections were pretty darn good, both in the best and worst um, categories. Um, I did have, you know, one thing, there were, the biggest surprise to me, I think, was um, the editor's pick for the worst off-strip hotel, the Gold Coast, um, just as a Las Vegan who, you know, I, and and maybe I missed, you know, some post or some horrible experience that one or more of your editors had at that property. But, um, you know, as a, as a Las Vegan, um, I would say that if you asked casino-going Las Vegans to rank, you know, the, you know, from top to bottom, the locals' properties, I can't think of, you know, I would be hard-pressed to find many people who would put the Gold Coast at the bottom. I mean, there's so many other properties. The readers chose Wild Wild West, and while that's a pretty rinky-dink little place, um, you know, there's there's certainly some hotels, um, you know, whether it's Arizona Charlie's Decatur, whether it's, you know, one of the um, casinos in North Las Vegas that, um, like the Opera House or the Silver Nugget or some of those dumps, um, you know, it, 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 to me, it's really it's really hard to see how the Gold Coast would rank behind those. Um, but you know, I mean, I understand it. I think that I was amused to see that you guys picked the uh, Aria's Cafe as the worst restaurant. And I, I read your review, which was quite amusing. And I think I saw something you posted saying that the, uh, or somebody made an, a note somewhere that the uh, boss of that restaurant was let go. And, you know, it sounds like that was probably a good thing based on the service and food you received. But, you know, I, I, I got to think that 
in a serious reflection of how some of the total uh, totally awful restaurants on the strip you could probably come up with you know at least 30 or 40 or 50 that would be worse than that place on a day in day out basis really which ones which ones do you think like the sahara cafe oh like, yeah like um, you know almost you know a lot of the restaurants at circus circus or imperial <laughs> palace or you know, I mean, you know, it wouldn't take – it really wouldn't take too long I think, to come up with a good list, I what, think. Of course, I've, any of these can be debated. I think what, when you're picking something, uh, a best or a worst, at least for me, part of it I think has to it, – it has to do with how the, the outlet, whether it's a hotel or a restaurant or whatever, is positioning itself. If it's uh, like a McDonald's – I mean, the food isn't very good, but I would never pick it as the worst because it is very well aware of what it is, and it's not. Sure. It doesn't have aspirations to be anything better. Um, in defense of the Cafe Vetro selection, you know that place aspires through its pricing and through its positioning to be a lot better than it is, and it falls so short um, against those aspirations. So I that's can, fair. So that's I can fair. see sort of where that uh, would come from. Yep. Although, you know, what's funny is if you look at the strip and pricing of restaurants as and, and certainly Aria, Bellagio, Society, um, you know, the other wind cafes, um, Grand Lux, if you look at the pricing of those places and compare them to the pricing of the places that, you know, don't aspire to such, you know, high levels. The pricing gap isn't that great. I mean, if you want, you know, like like a decent, like a regular breakfast at most mediocre, like the the horrible cafe at at Bally's, um, if you were to go in there, you know, their pricing isn't, you know, I mean, it's certainly, you know, seventy percent or sixty percent of Bellagio pricing, but it's it's way way below it in quality and i think that even you know even at places like circus circus or sahara you know the standard breakfasts are going to be you know 10 12 bucks you know and and or more um so you know i i i agree with you hunter that you do have to take that into account and i and after reading that review i totally understand why you picked that i mean and 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 to be honest there's certainly an amount of at least a little bit of humor in these selections, which I really I certainly appreciate. hope so. <laughs> I I really appreciate. And like when like under worst act, you know, you guys, <laughs> you you guys picked. If I remember, oh, you picked Steve Wynn's balls. Um, you know, which which to me, like you know, the I've only seen it. I saw the video of it once, and I was like, oh, amusing. I have never sat at the uh, veranda and watched. Uh, or the uh, um, parasol up or down and watch that thing. But I could see how people would think it was, was okay. And it's free. Um, so, so I wouldn't, I, you know, I probably wouldn't pick that, you know, I would pick one of the ones that cost you a lot of money and sucks. Well, but I tell you what, I, Jeff, that, but I was amused by your selection. The selection there is not necessarily about that show on the Lake of dreams. It's about, Steve Wynn talking about his balls on YouTube. Right, which is hilarious. Yeah, and that's where I saw it, and yeah. it is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's what, I, you know, so, and, and even the title that you get to use, uh, you know, for the selection. I mean, it's it's amusing, and that's what I was trying to say is that there is an element of entertainment 
of humor in your presentation of the, of these selections that is also part of what makes the trippies very cool. All right. I'm going to wrap up uh, our trippies discussion, but, um, you know, I just wanted to say, uh, Chuck, I know you spend an awful lot of time putting these together. Uh, you don't have to do it, but I think it, they're a lot of fun. Um, and I, uh, I think everybody appreciates it. So in case no one else has thanked you, I'll just say thank you. Sure. Ooh, I agree. Thank you. Um, I agree. Thank you. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a lot of fun <laughs> thank and you. they're a good thing to point to people when they're looking for a really quick sort of snapshot of, uh, of how it, things were. You know, it's, it, it, I'm sorry, Dave, you go. I was going to say that, you know, I saw the cosmopolitan gave you some run on Twitter. What I want to see that is for them to update John Unwin's official bio in the press <laughs> kit to say trivia award winning, <laughs> trivia award winning CEO, John Unwin. That's what I want to see. That's when I'll believe it. Yeah. I like it. Well, the, the folks from Win who have won, you know, the gigantic amount of the awards here, they haven't said peep. Everybody else who's won has been like, Hey, we won. Congratulations. It's great. They haven't said a damn thing. I'm surprised a, by that. Nothing. Sort of yeah. surprised by that. I think they hate me. Well, that that that's stupid. And 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 those and you know, to be honest, they should start using you know references to those wins. In you know, they should test it in some in different kinds of marketing and see how it works. I mean, I was always amazed in the newspaper business how they'd pull some little quote out of a review and make it sound like you know a show is you know phenomenal. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't use trippy award wins for these categories. I mean, it's an honor, and they should accept that and use it. Right, it's uh, like it's, I think they won. I think a total of like twenty of them. That's a lot. Wow. You it's know? like when you see a you know a review and it says like incredible in quotes, and the actual quote was like it was incredible how bad this was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad that you're doing them every year, no matter how much hard work they are. And I know you're sort of on vacation right now, so we appreciate you uh, being here with us. But we're gonna move off the trippies. Um, but we're going to stay with Win. I want to talk about um, a change in their food and beverage. We learned last week that Alex, the um, Alex Strada French restaurant that opened with the resort in 2005, is going to close. Um, it's a uh, you know this is an interesting story to me for several reasons. Uh, this was um, a restaurant that, while you know somewhat inaccessible due to its price. Uh, was always very well regarded. It is one of or the best restaurant in Las Vegas, especially before uh, Rubichon came in. Um, and it's going to be closing. And, and as some others have pointed out, I, I think I think uh, uh, Freeze had a post on this. The way that it's happening is very seems very strange. At, at AKA, there's a backstory that we don't know. Uh, I mean, the. Um, you know, the resort is basically saying that the public doesn't have an appetite for this kind of restaurant and that it's just not a viable um, commercial enterprise is sort of basically what they said. But, um, I, you know, it just seems like there's got to be more to this story, especially the way that it has sort of played out in the press. Um, and Alex Strada kind of feels like – seems like he's sort of the unloved, uh, you know, <laughs> stepchild or something. He just uh, – it just seems very strange to me for someone that has worked with the winds for so long. I mean, from the Mirage um, all the way now to, to win Las Vegas. So 
I'm I'm wondering, uh, am I crazy? Is this just a simple open and shut case? And and then sort of the second part of that is, is this what does this mean for when? I mean, uh, uh, you know, some other folks have complained saying that they are basically dismantling uh, what was what started as a pretty ambitious food and beverage program. Uh, they're by dumbing it down. Um, uh, the you know switch when it opened at Encore was. Um, more focused on, uh, you know, sort of also French cuisine, but now it's was sort of reimagined as another steakhouse. Um, Lakeside Grill took the place of Daniel Balud, and you know, Lakeside is basically like a more casual version of SW. Um, it, it, is this true? I mean, is is the Win Food and Beverage Program now just uh, more about? The sort of simple and easy taste, and not not risk taking. I'm just curious what you guys think it, about it. It may be matching with what their customers want. Um, I do think that clearly there's something more to it than just what they said. Although, I, I my belief is that it probably is, you know, true in part. Um, and I think that you know one of the one of the things that's it's been speculated on someplace and I'm not sure where that this may have a connection with the uh you know the the Maloof Morton divorce um you know Morton may now um have an interest in doing more with Wynn. maybe that spot is the uh the the best spot that they could find for whatever it is he wants to do presumably uh you know something relatively high end maybe uh something similar to what they do at 9 a little younger kind of focus but still um upscale uh steak etc restaurant um i know you know uh, people i would say that if you still take the array of win restaurants maybe they're not quite they don't hit quite as many spots um at the very very high elite end but i think that you know when you look at it like win may look at it and say what's our average check size going to be how many tables are we going to serve and that kind of stuff um i i doubt that you know aside from the effects of the recession that they're that the changes that they've made continuously at both win and encore are going to um show much of a you know of a step back towards you know smaller and smaller checks um you know not that many people probably eat at alex their average checks are probably big but when you know if you're win you're probably also saying where do our big gamblers where do they want to go um i have a feeling you know whether it's you know, whether it's wing lay, whether it's, you know, just for casual at, at um, Red 7, whether it's at Okada um, or SW, you know, they're probably looking at where their tastes lie as well. So I think it is in part what Wynn is saying. In part, there's some be behind the scenes things that we'll figure out once they show what they're going to do with that place and any other changes they make. Um, I doubt it's something insidious or bad. I think it's, you know, more than likely with most things that they do, most changes that they make, they're business related decisions. I just, I'm wondering though, if that's really true, um, if it really is a customer taste issue, I mean, does that mean that you know the the days of Joel Rubichon and Guy Savoy are uh, are are numbered? I mean, these are basically restaurants that are in the same category and uh, seem to be flagship and basically 
outlets of pride for their respective properties. Uh, you know, Hunter, in the cuisine, the, the, the three-star Michelin world, restaurants like Per Se and the French Laundry are funded by the Bouchons. Right. You know, those right. place, the, the, uh, the ateliers are the ones that people can come in and have the taste of this stuff and not go for the $900 right. dinner. And I think that they're feeling that and they're seeing that. You know, you can go in and serve people small plate stuff. It's got a little bit of this and you'll end up losing – you'll end up actually getting people to spend a lot of money, you know, on smaller plate stuff, a little bit more casual. I think the clientele is changing. I think what, what Jeff's saying about the, the, uh, the Morton angle probably has got some legs now that their lawsuit is over. Um, and he's been cut loose from the whole Palm situation. Uh, I, I, I don't really think there's too much more to read into this. I think this is probably more economic than anything else. That they're looking, well, we can make more money if we put something else in the space. That, that, Sorry, Alex. Well, the, th- the, the only thing that I think really points to there being more of a backstory is just the way it was done. You know, there was there there was no uh, you know we we love Alex Strada and quote from the boss and quote from the chef and. I mean, they've had a long relationship, and it just seemed like, you know, that it was kind of done as a sweeping under the rug. It just seems strange to me the way it was handled. Maybe that was just uh, uh, they just made a mistake. Well, it doesn't happen often that they close restaurants. You know, did they give when when the first chef of of Switch left? They didn't give him a big hug and a kiss and sent him out the door. Well, but I would argue they that just Alec, said, oh, we've got to change. Alex Strada has a much more public profile. Plus, the name is the restaurant's named after him. I mean, it, it, I, I think it's a little bit different, but maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. The is only there one that is that. there a precedence of how it should be handled? Do well, we if, I think if well, imagine if Rubichon closed at MGM Grand. Do you think that they would just board it up one day and the, and, and not say anything? I well, mean, what I, did they do when Daniel Balud left? They said it's leaving. They didn't say well, he's leaving, but they weren't sure when. Yeah, that's a good point. I would have to go back and really look, look at what they said. Little I by little, remember. yeah, and it really the information just kind of leaked out. Right. You know, it was a rumor, and then you know, I checked the reservations and I saw, well, that's the day they're right. Yeah, they're maybe, maybe the reservations. Right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading reading too much into it, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's sad. I mean, I don't know. Chuck, you just ate there recently. I mean, I don't know anyone that's ever said anything bad about it. Uh, it seems like it, I, by sad, I just mean, you know, it's one of those, it's funny. I, um, I guess Alex Strada had told somebody, maybe it was Steve Fries, that Elaine hadn't been back in the restaurant since it opened. And there was a thing in Norm today where Elaine talked to Norm and said, that's BS. I go in there all the time, but really the point of her of her uh, of her comment was it was a place that was designed to be for special occasions. It was not it was not the kind of place you go to every week. It was designed for celebrating those you know sort of once in a lifetime moments that you have. And I and I I think that really puts that that's why I think it will be missed is because it was it wasn't a place that you would go to once even maybe even not even once a year uh, for most visitors. But it was a very special place that you knew was sort of in the arsenal if you wanted to celebrate some kind of amazing, uh, amazing occurrence. So I, I don't know. I think it's sad. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I was just there, you know, for yeah, Thanksgiving. I, saw, I, I saw had a fa- fabulous meal, great service. You know, I wish that the lady at the other table would have shut up a little bit. But other than <laughs> that, it was great. I had a great time. 
it's such a beautiful room too. I mean, it's like really a one of a kind. And you know, they're saying they're going to use it for special events, and I'm sure that they could pretty host some amazing, super high roller dinners in there for their biggest like baccarat tournaments and slot tournaments. But podcast Palooza 2011. <laughs> See, exactly. This is that's thinking <laughs> slash the trippies. You know, we're going to have people walk down those stairs to accept the yeah. awards. The golden well, trippies down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. The golden salt shaker will fit right in. It will. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's sad. I not, not that I'm like the gourmand or anything. I don't want to make it sound like that, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's a loss for the city, no matter how you shake it out, but life will go on. Um, all right. Uh, Let's see. I have two other things I really want to get to here. So we're going to start with Maloof and the plams and, and, um, Michael Morton and all of that good stuff. So, you know, these guys uh, have been in the news for a couple different things recently. Um, there was a very public uh, George Maloof versus Michael Morton lawsuit. Um, a very tiny bit of backstory: Michael Morton is the founder of the Nine Group, a um, you know an outside company that the Palms built, uh, brought in. I, now I honestly can't not say the Plams now whenever I say it. <laughs> um, that they brought in to operate uh, a bunch of their food and nightlife operations kind of like you know like a light group kind of company that they they do um the nine steakhouse the nove italiano the moon rain all the all that stuff so you know they since the palms opened in 2001 they've had what seemed like from the outside a very successful relationship i mean for a while there the palms was you know sort of the it place it seemed like they must have been making money hand over fist. Um, but then, you know, this lawsuit comes out where it was like the nastiest allegations you could possibly imagine. Everything from, you know, he hired – he stole wine to build a wine cellar in his house to <laughs> to like his wife. In vino veritas. I mean it was just – it was like pretty pretty nasty. You don't usually see it erupt uh, that much. I mean it just – it seemed irreparable and it, it turned out that – um, you know they, they're not going to continue uh, their partnership. The um, the Plams is going to take over uh, the the operating companies. But um, in connection with that, we see this private equity situation, and there have been these constant rumors about the Palms um, being sold, but they're heating up again. So I'm wondering, um, you know. Do we have any sense of how solid these rumors are? Do we think this is actually going to happen? And you know the the rumor is that if if they are taken over by this private equity group, it's the same folks that that took hair as private, and that they'll be roll or excuse me, Caesars, um, they're going to be rolled up into that group and you know positioned as part of sort of that total rewards portfolio. And this is some of that's pretty sketchy. It's not really clear if they would be a quote unquote Caesars property or whether they would just be you know share ownership and be part of total rewards or what the deal is. But what do we think about this? I mean, is this really going to happen? Is is has Maloof uh, overplayed his hand and is finally uh, going to get kicked out? I think the interesting possibility is that Harris or Texas Pacific or whoever ends up owning the Palms and Maloof maintains control of NM Ventures, so ends up just running the, the uh, all those venues, you know, the uh, Nine and all that other stuff, the clubs. Right. You know, is that is that even a possibility? I guess so. I mean, this sets him up to do that, right? I mean, they, the yeah. way that the stories about the Morton thing shook out made it sound like George Maloof was taking over the the running of NM Ventures, not you know 
Fiesta Palms LLC or whatever the company is that runs the Palms. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a pretty interesting way to settle that lawsuit too. Okay, well, you were suing him, and now you're just going to take over, take this over personally instead of the company taking it over. You know, I was just thinking maybe he was hedging his bets there. It's a good point. One, one, I think the, looking at this situation, comparing it with uh, M Resort, um, I, I think the numbers more than likely show that Maloof is not in as dire of a situation as the uh, Marnells were. And so Maloof must have at least, you know, um, he does have other family resources that he could call on, presumably. And I think he what he's trying to do is play probably one of these investment groups against the other and see if they can – you know, if he can sell some equity to them in exchange for a cash infusion to get rid of the most, you know, the closest looming debt problems, if not all of the debt problems. Um, and that, those are almost all entirely related to Palm's Place and maybe a little to the fantasy tower borrowing that they did um, so close to the economic downturn. But presuming that Wynn is not – I mean that Maloof is not in as dire of a situation as um, Tony Marnell III, he's probably – you know, he's looking to give up some of his equity control. The new, You know, Bloomberg's report suggested it was – he would give up a minority – I mean a majority, which would be, you know, pretty tough for, for him to do, I'm sure. Um, but – you know, and they also speculated that if, if Texas Pacific became the lead investor, that they would move the palms under the Caesars umbrella. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks in Las Vegas and a lot of, um, you know, out of town people who come and play at the palms wouldn't like that. Um, it would be a real plus for, for Harris. It would give them, you know, a clear number two property. They really lack. Um, you know, they have Caesars and then they have like a whole bunch of mid-level properties. Um, Palms has um, some pricing power and, you know, something different than most of their other other joints. So, um, but the, uh, my speculation is that it's, you know, it's probably, it hasn't been settled yet. So Maloof is probably, you know, scrambling as best he can to figure a way that he can keep majority control of the property. Um, I'm sort of hoping he can. Um, I like the sort of, uh, you know, incubator effect of having these small, very smart operators. I mean, I think Maloof is is a genius in the business. Like a lot of other folks, he got caught up in the in the in borrowing into. Um, you know, that, you know, the, the bubble and, uh, you know, it's a shame that he's going to have to pay for it with loss of some of his equity position, if not a majority. And, and, and that would really be a shame because under the umbrella of Caesars, it's hard to imagine him being able to, uh, do some of the, you know, some of the cool things he's done. So, uh, you know, I I don't know what's going on with him. You know, he's had some problems in the last year. This, you know, big problem with Morton. He did have the DUI. Um, and so, 
he had to get rid of his uh, longtime casino manager, um, uh, Jerry Hughes, or Jim Hughes, I think. And, uh, you know, all of those changes sort of reflect something going on there. Um, you know, two of the big casino bosses in town have had such a turbulent last year, year and a half. You know, Maloof, Win um, makes it tough to sort of keep track of what's going on and to sort of really understand those guys as well as I think I used to. I, I personally, I um, n- not being a huge fan of the Palms is a place that I pick for my own personal spending, but I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I think... I think if anything, the last seven or eight, ten years have shown that the consolidation of these casino resorts is definitely uh, reduces the amount of creativity that we see. Uh, it makes things more homogenized and less interesting. And to have the the um, the plams being sucked up into the loveman lovemaking machine. I just can't even – I can't imagine it. It just seems – you know, they, they sucked up Planet Hollywood, uh, which was an interesting independent property. They're, if they suck up the plans, I mean, then what's – then MGM is going to suck up the Cosmopolitan and it's going to be – you know, we're going to be back to a very boring uh, – a very boring sort of situation. I, I hope it doesn't go down that way. Um, I have I figured it out though. I, I, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills features his sister, and I figured the, the ratings are down. I think this is a publicity stunt to try and uh, get the <laughs> ratings going for the Real Housewives. I've I've totally figured it out. Um, <laughs> all right, I want to talk about um, social media a little bit, Chuck, because there's there's some undertones. This is actually sort of related to the trippies in a way, and I, I didn't realize that you were going to put this on your list when I wrote this put this thing in. But this is a topic that comes up uh, again and again, and I know um, I know recently, Chuck, you said that you put out a call to folks uh, for some info. I assume you're working on a piece uh, that we'll see at some point. But you know, we as Facebook and Twitter and other lesser services have um, have exploded in popularity. We of course saw uh, the casino companies. Um, jump on that bandwagon and try and use it, you know, as they they many of them had different strategies, but um, they uh, they tried to use it to expose more people to their brands, communicate with their customers. Um, but what I'm wondering is, have we seen is is was is there a social media bubble that is now bursting? And, and the reason they bring this up is that there was a a high profile, I guess high profile, um, per, Twitter user. Uh, that um hmm, how am i going to put this uh he, it's he, public information you can just say it well i, I mean he was un, that, um, he was unfollowed by station casinos and he was griping about it i'm not sure how to describe this person but i'm sure yeah. anybody can figure out who this person was um you know so he he was unfollowed by station casinos and he posts a tweet saying Basically, I'm going to paraphrase, but it basically said, do you really think it's smart of you to unfollow me? You don't think I'm watching who's following you know, at Station Casinos. Basically, the implication is like I have helped you and I can hurt you, and you're making a big mistake, buddy, um, which I think in one tweet kind of summed up like everything that's wrong with the way that social media has been executed uh, – with many of these many of these properties and you know you 
you, Chuck, picked this as your worst or your past peeve, pet peeve, I think, right? In the trippies as, as you know, just something that everyone's very sick of. And, uh, you know, is this the beginning of the end uh, for people that, you know, let's be honest, are really aren't contributing in any other way to the picture, but have amassed followers on Twitter and basically use that rebroadcast ability as a way to try and leverage free stuff. Um, is, is this the beginning of the end or is this the first of many chinks in that armor or is this just, uh, you know, an anomaly? Well, I don't, I can't predict the future. Um, really what my interest in this, uh, situation is to, uh, Try and examine from the inside out uh, how people have uh, are using social media, their influence on social media to uh, bend the casinos over a barrel, basically, is to how they manipulate them, how they use social media to play the game against the casinos because they're kind of novices in this whole thing. Uh, the nuts and bolts of the whole thing, as as you know, I'm only a week into gathering research here. But the nuts and bolts of the whole thing is that uh, there's a couple of guys in town there, uh, two brothers who Steve Freese had written an article about uh, Vegas Bill and 24K. And these two guys, uh, they have through hustle and bustle, uh, and a lot of bit of work and a, and a whole bunch of uh, worn out thumbs and, and mobile device keyboards have managed to amass, you know, a very, very sizable number of people who follow them on Twitter. And because they have these numbers, sheer numbers and metrics, which is they use these numbers to uh, influence the casinos to uh, basically give them free stuff to invite them to eat dinner there, go to events, get access to things. Um, sure. You know, you're, you're, if you're a publisher of anything and you have a lot of readers, you know, that stuff kind of works, but the, the lines that are being kind of crossed here and the casinos are kind of partly at fault of this. Cause as Hunter will probably, will hopefully uh, agree with me is there is, when we read all these uh, internal city center documents, like they have a whole thing about what they want to do with social media. And so much of it, it's all about metrics right? to get more readers, to increase to 2000 readers for Ari. Right. Just 2000. numbers, numbers is sure all that matters. Yeah. They're not even interested so much in how they communicate with people. It's really just about trying to manipulate the tags. So you get more people signed up to your email list as opposed to really serving the user or getting know. the right people signed up. They don't seem to care. Exactly. They're just indiscriminate. They just want numbers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been talking with a whole bunch of people. I've once I put that that word out. Hey, do you have information? I got a flood of people from all all of the companies, basically, uh, who are sharing all examples of what happens, how things happen, how they use uh, postings and not postings, and not including the names and not retweeting and doing this that to 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 manipulate. So if somebody asked them, Hey, I'm looking for a place to eat at Win Las Vegas, they could say, well, we've only, 
you know, we've only been to society in Sinatra once. They won't give them a, they won't give them their readers a, the withhold, right. A recommendation. It's very, very quick for a quo. I mean, if they have not been taken care of, you know, in that period of time. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that, you know, you could probably get a schedule. You could put a schedule together of what's been going on here. You know, uh, how, who takes care of these guys when, but you know, that's kind of the crux of this. And I think there's going to be more of this, you know, one of these guys has already been banned from Twitter once and it will probably happen again. The problem is here is that they're also breaking the law. These are FTC, Federal Trade Commission guidelines that if somebody gives you something for free in exchange for a review or social media notice, you have to say as much. You have to admit it that this, you know, we didn't pay for this, the, the Vegas Internet Mafia payola uh, <laughs> notice. You know, you have to say, hey, you know, they comped us this room and we did this. So, so your readers know that you're getting stuff in exchange for sharing an opinion. Right. They, and they never, ever, 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 ever do that. I've been looking at them. It's hard to read because they do so much stuff, but they never, ever actually make any of these kinds of attributes of, oh, we got this and we got this comp. So the other thing that bothers me is the self-described tag of journalist, which is a tag I would never attach to my, my own efforts just because I don't have any journalism training. And to me, a journalist is a very specific thing someone yeah. that is you know is for lack of a better term playing by a certain set of rules i mean there are sourcing rules there are all sorts of rules and you know to call it basically to decide that you're a journalist one day and and use that use that term without without participating in that without playing by the same rules i i yeah. just i have a big problem with that I never do that because I wouldn't want to insult journalists, you know, because <laughs> I know what I do. Oh, they're pretty it's... tough to insult. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. You know, I, I mean, you there know. are different kinds of journalists. I think that um, clearly what you guys do is journalism. And I think that, you know, there are different levels of journalism culminating with probably, you know, several levels of pre- of pretension at the top um, if you want to look at it from top to bottom. But, you know, I mean, whether it's, you know, page six style celebrity journalism or what we're talking about, you know, those, those folks should just live up to the law. If, you know, they're being given stuff in exchange for, you know, refer, you know, comments or just, you know, just, I mean, usually it's not quid pro quo. I would be surprised if it was even for, you know, people doing that. It's, you know, it's just sort of an expectation. There is a general reluctance to sort of, you know, bite the hand that literally feeds you. And I think, or, or shelters you. And I think that for folks who are given, you know, bottles at clubs or dinners or, you know, you know, suites at luxury resorts. I think that, you know, if you, people can make their own judgment and I don't have a problem with people, um, you know, in, in social media or um, usually most mainstream media outlets restrict what their people can accept. Right. Uh, there's, and there's a wide range of what they will and won't allow. Right. Um, and I've worked for entities that have very different um, standards, but I think in social media, just disclose, 
Um, Just say and let the people make their own judgments. They're probably capable of it. Typically, I think when you combine that with what you write, I mean, if people are constantly getting on there and saying, man, I would eat food off the Sahara floor. It's that (laughs) clean. People are going to say, you know, that guy is 100% full of shit. He's been bought and paid for. People won't buy it. It doesn't matter whether you disclose or not. So if you combine disclosure with writing that rings, that resonates true to people, um, then you're going to be able to generate trust and be a better journalist. But I don't say, whether you use the term or not, what you guys are doing is clearly journalism. Um, It may not be the same kind of journalism that others do, but, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, when maybe three or four years ago, whenever we started doing the podcast, I remember, you know, we had episodes where Wynn would slam bloggers and, you know, I, and I would say back then, everybody needs to get with the program there. It's clearly the future. Um, and, um, as you guys know, I just very belatedly joined the the Twitter universe, but but Yay! certainly, but certainly yeah. whether it was blogging <laughs> or other kinds of social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the other um, um, Foursquare, those kind of things, all those things are obviously the future of um, of different kinds of marketing, different kinds of human interaction, and all the resorts that didn't get on board were just you know, shooting themselves. So Dave, I mean, I know that you did your social media survey. Are you keeping that up? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to progress over the next 12 months and into the future. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll report on that as it, as it, uh, as it continues, but just in terms of volume participation, I mean, for a while, social media was the new shiny. um, And so everybody jumped into it. And Ch- and Jeff, I agree with you. I mean, I I definitely agree that it's uh, hugely important in the future. Um, but I'm hoping that people will sort of find their way a little bit more and find. Yeah, it. Hunter, Jeff. think about this. For I'm sorry to interrupt for one oh. second. When we first started with this Twitter thing, we did the encore opening. Right. Very few of our readers and friends were even using Twitter at this point. Right. You know, we had built the app online to sort of show people what was happening in real time. The casinos weren't using Twitter barely at all, if anybody. You know, the next time, Aria casinos were using Twitter, but Aria wasn't using it. Now this year, you know, Cosmopolitan had a, had an interactive, chit-chatty Twitter account before they even opened. They were building their brand. Right. You know, so three years of progression here, the thing has gotten gigantic. You know, I don't think there's any way that this is going to subside. I think that these clowns are, might have to have a little bit of adjustment at some point, you yeah. know, but it's going to take uh, some participation on, on the uh, industry's behalf to sort of say, well, you know, what's really going on here? Well, it's just, it's funny because, and I keep cutting Dave off every chance he gets, but I mean, I know Me that too. They, have, <laughs> they have standards as far as, you know, it, Joe Schmo couldn't call up the MGM Mirage PR department and demand free stuff. They would ask for a credential or a letter from an editor or some proof that he was actually a real, you know, accredited person that, or that for, you know, they basically want proof that he's not Joe Schmo. Um, but it seems like with social media, they're willing to 
engage Joe Schmo. But anyway, Dave, I've been cutting you off like five times, so go ahead. That's okay. Um, you know, so I've been doing a lot of work on this and trying to quantify it in a different way than just getting the numbers because, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to look at it and say, how do we monetize this? How do we make money off of this? And I think what they're going to come around to eventually is that you don't really monetize it in the way that you can monetize a direct mailing. You know, I think everybody knows that the click-through rates for any kind of media that they send out on this are pretty bad. I think, you know, between 1% and yeah. 5% are the numbers I've heard. I think really they're going to view it as kind of a necessary amenity, almost like having a 1-800 number for reservations. Right. Like, okay, we need this channel for people to talk to us on, but we're not going to get money out. You know, we're not going to generate revenue off of this. When that happens, I think you'll see people not – being able to pull that act with, oh, I have 50,000 followers, so I can get a hamburger or whatever, you know, <laughs> I, I think it just shows a real, that shows a real short sightedness too, as somebody who has just celebrated his 10th year in town here. Um, that was January 6th, I think. Right. So, you know, I've, yeah, I've been around for a while and really it's not, you know, I, I couldn't see trying to shake down casinos for hamburgers or chicken nuggets or whatever is going on. <laughs> you know, it just seems, yeah, it just seems so short-sighted. Although I did, you know, being in the whole social media thing, I did try the tater tots at the George and or the Henry, but I say the George, the Henry, <laughs> and they were really good. Well, um, and that was, so that was some, some, uh, that was Vegas tripping uh, oh, the board there. That they only, th- only three tater tots, one star. oh man they were good but i think it's really tough for them to get a handle on it so naturally the first instinct is to look at the numbers but i think that's definitely going to evolve and you can only get away with stuff for so long i think before it catches up with you so eh, who knows yeah well i can't wait to read uh your piece chuck i have a feeling it will be even more damning than um some people expect it to be uh, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I really, you know, I'm trying to actually go journalist on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to be very responsible because I'm talking about a bunch of people here. You right. know, this isn't just like some bullshit, you know, yapping about a restaurant. These are a bunch of real people. And, you know, I want to be as fair as possible. And, and when, when the piece gets built, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to ask these guys for, you know, their comments on some of these things that people are saying. So they'll have their, their opportunity to respond to it at some point if they choose to. So well, that's good. It'll, be, it'll certainly be fair. I look forward to it. Um, all right. Well, I'm sure this is a topic that we will revisit in the future. But um, for now, that's going to be the end of the show. And we're going to do our Sure Bets segment uh, where each of us shares something that we think you might be interested in. Um, all right. How about we start with Dr. Dave? Do you have something for us today? Yeah, I've got two choices. I'll let you guys decide what you want, either a gaming related thing or a uh, Las Vegas automotive thing. Just do both. Okay. Las Vegas <laughs> automotive thing. And I have not been, I didn't receive complimentary brake pads or anything, but <laughs> I had to get my brakes looked into. And I found a place called Professional Brakes at Silverado Ranch and Bermuda. It was really good. Family-owned place. The guy was very professional, very honest. You know, could have told me that I needed new rotors and pads and la, la, la. And instead, all it was that I, I just needed the brake fluid topped off and cleaning out some stuff on the brakes. So pretty good. And even 
told me how long I had left, which is pretty cool. So they're pretty cool. The other thing is the Atlantic City revenue numbers, which I've spent the last three hours before the show today going over. Absolutely depressing. Um, I've created this Excel file that tomorrow I'm going to try to push into a little report I'm going to do, and it's just really awful watching this decline over the past four years. So Atlantic City not doing so hot. Did I read somewhere that – that there was a rumor was is the company is the company Leonard Green the company that is buying the Borgata stake? Uh, did, yes. I, did, I read, they, did I read somewhere that they might not be that into the deal that they might want to get out of it? Did I? I believe that they are out of it. I don't think yeah. they. I heard they were out of it. I don't remember where, but I heard no, they yanked out of it. No, I, M- MGM says that they're still in it, but they've done a re. Uh, other uh, MGM has other suitors and they're reevaluating all their options. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, for what it's worth, it's possible that MGM might've jumped the gun on that. And maybe Leonard green didn't have all, all their ducks in a row. No MGM jumped the gun. No, it's possible. I'm just saying, uh, so impossible. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if they're going to show up with the palms or what's going on, but That's right. I, I wouldn't expect to see them taking that half of Borgata anytime soon. All right. Well, we'll definitely watch that one. Um, Jeff Simpson, do you have a sure bet for us? Well, I do. <clears throat> and uh, just in a light vein, um, for any of you who have uh, casino carpeting questions or uh, wanted to buy or sell, there's a professor at UNLV I noticed on his website. <laughs> he loves entertaining questions. And uh, no, I'm just making a little joke for Dr. <laughs> um, no, my, uh, my sure bet is uh, the disunion series in the New York Times. Um, they are running a daily um, article, generally an academic article, um, written about um, things that were taking place exactly 150 years ago. So right now we're right at the start of the uh, – we're right in the middle of the secession crisis and uh, right, up, right up to the, the very start of the Civil War. And this series is going to last you know, for another four years um, or three years, three and a half, four years through the end of um, the 150th anniversary of um, – Appomattox. So um, I've been reading these faithfully. They're very, very good. Um, You know, the Civil War, obviously, such a um, huge impact on America and on American history. So for any of you so inclined, um, I'd advise uh, um, you can link up to it in Facebook. and It'll sort of tease every day's article. You can just go directly to the New York Times website. But um, fantastic writing uh, and worth checking out. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Mr. Chuck Monster, how about you? Yeah, my sure bet, I've kind of got two, and I haven't uh, I haven't posted about these yet, but I stayed at two hotels in Vegas recently, and I had a really great experience at both of them, and I was very – it was unexpected. Um, the stratosphere has completely and totally redone the interior of the casino. New carpeting, new paint, new signage. Uh, lots of new games, new slots. It's, it's like they've totally renovated the ground floor of the casino in a lot of ways. And the hotel, the hallways, the hotel rooms, it's kind of like a slightly low budgety sort of mirage thing. Clean, really well put together. Definitely got to give a sure bet to the new Stratosphere. Who would have thought it's actually really groovy to go in there now? And the second one 
is another place that's new and old at the same time, and that would be uh, the El Cortez. I stayed there a couple nights before the uh, before the, uh, um, the Cosmopolitan opening in the Cabana Suites, and I thought that room, that hotel, was just gorgeous. Uh, the service there was really nice. I had a good time. I sat at a slot machine for five minutes, and I won three hundred bucks. I had a very positive El Cortez and a very positive Stratosphere uh, experience. Great, you know, you're looking for a, a nice independent place that's easy on the wallet and you still get a clean, good, solid play. Both of those, I'm going to give those sure bets to. Great. And, and real, real quick, if I could just add, what a great time this is for any property to actually reinvest and and spend money on renovation, refurbishment, whether it's you know at the low end downtown, whether it is at the Stratosphere, the newest of the you know what's considered to be the budget hotels on Las Vegas Boulevard, because so many of the competitors, including the big corporate you know, the M- the MGMs and the Caesars properties just are not doing it as, as much and as fast as they should. And certainly the, the broke properties, Sahara, Riviera, and those companies are not doing it yet either. Um, so it's a real opportunity to, to sort of raise your your rung on the, uh, the ladder of properties and to – give a good impression to people who are going to get bad impressions at a lot of your competitors. So I agree with Chuck totally nice job by those properties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, Chuck, since you mentioned the, your stay at the Strat, I've had a bunch of, or I've noticed some other commentary from people saying like, Oh wow. Like the Strat's a lot nicer than it used to be. So it seems like they kind of snuck under the radar with that, but people are definitely noticing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah. Um, I have two quick ones. Um, one is Vegas-related and one is not. Um, the Vegas-related one was just um, the room renovations at Wynn Las Vegas. I know that, Chuck, you've written about this twice now. I wrote about it a little bit. Um, I I uh, was more impressed than I thought I was going to be with the redesigned rooms. I think they really look nice. Um, so for folks that um, maybe have tried Wynn in the past and uh, haven't been in a while or – for folks that haven't been, I would I would recommend the rooms. I think they look really they've done a really nice job with their redesign. Um, I'm with you there, Hunter. It's it's amazing, subtle. It's very subtle, modernist, crazy modern design in a weird sort of way. Very very subtle. They've they've approached a a, a degree of subtlety that I didn't really think was possible. But it's very very daring in a lot of ways. It's just not in your face kind of daring. Yeah, no, it, I think it's fantastic work it's you know, refined and sort of reserved i mean we we know that um you know roger thomas has uh design chops but i think you know sometimes you what you hold back is even more telling than what you put into something and i i was really impressed i i um i like the room quite quite a bit and i would definitely give it a high recommendation um the other thing is uh is probably not going to not something that um is a you know, massive discovery for everyone, but I've been rediscovering my, my Netflix account. And, um, <laughs> for anybody that doesn't have Netflix, you know, they dropped the price of their streaming service, I think to like seven ninety nine a month now. And it's really great. You get access to all kinds of, all kinds of stuff that you can watch on your computer or on your, 
uh, you maybe your your tablet or your phone, depending on what you got, or some, some TVs have it built in and all that. There's a million ways to watch it, but uh, I I don't know. I've actually it was, it was a service I had for a long time and and really never used. It kind of was like, hey, what do I have this for? I'm going to get rid of it. Um, but for whatever reason, I started getting back into it, and I've uh, I've been using the hell out of it. So I don't know. It's just something uh, to to check out. I think they have some. Um, some pretty, it's pretty easy to get into it and try it if you, uh, if you want. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a plus five to this too, because I love the Netflix. I hate the discs, right? I hate the discs and the mailing of the discs, even right. how, how easy that is. I really don't want to get up and go put the disc in the TV <laughs> set. I'm that lazy. Like if I have my iPad earlier today, being I'm on vacation, I decided I'm going to pamper myself today. And I went and soaked in the tub for an hour and I watched uh, uh, I picked up um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas which I had started two nights ago and it remembered I'd started it on the PlayStation Netflix streaming and then I picked up the iPad and it remembered exactly where I was in the movie and I pressed play you know and set the thing up so it's absolutely fantastic you know you can watch movies in the car you can do anywhere you want it's fantastic it's better than cable i dig it i totally recommend it now they have the streaming only plan if you don't like dvds because i don't like the dvds either so anyway that hunter can i add one quick thing when i mentioned the car the carpeting i would like to refer (laughs) everyone to dr dave's um blog um the dias cast um, it's he has a hilarious thing in there. I think is it in the about me section, Dave? About don't contact me. For, <laughs> don't contact. You know, I still get <laughs> still average about one month call once a month. It's hilarious. Fine. He writes about how whenever he's doing some very important interview, he's always interrupted with someone calling about ordering or inquiring about carpeting in some way, and it's just a great read. So that's another sure bet. Read that on Doctor Dave's blog. Uh, just Doctor <laughs> Dave's blog in general, I think, is a is a must must Absolutely. subscribe if you don't read it on a regular basis. No doubt. All right, <laughs> that is it for today. I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, I'm going to go around the table so you can tell people where they can find you. And Doctor Dave, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, as Jeff and Hunter said, I'm at uh, diescast.com and also gaming.unlv.edu if you need a little bit more of the academic stuff, of which hopefully I've got some more coming tomorrow. And uh, on Twitter at uh, UNLV Gaming. Great. Uh, Mr. Jeff Simpson, um, who I don't think – I think I missed this before, but – and I know I put this on the on the blog post, but I, I, I think – you know, Two Way Hard Three won the Reader's Choice Award for the best blog in the Trippies, and a, a big part of that is the work that you've been doing. So um, I want to publicly thank you again for your participation. Well, well and, and I, yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, what I'd like to say is I can't think of a better venue um, to be able to write, and I would like to say that. Um, Hunter, you created a great venue, but what really makes that blog fantastic, I think, are the folks who, the commenters, the community that you have there. It's, and I've written this several times, um, having come from sort of the wild west of the newspaper community. Um, it's a really great group to write to and exchange and communicate with. So that to me, when I think about, um, 
the honor for the blog. Um, the people who are, you know, reading and commenting, you know, they really create what is such a fantastic blog. So thanks to all those people as well. Um, you can reach me by reading on Hunter's Two Way Hard Three blog. Um, I'm a new um, Twitter person, so uh, anybody can feel free to hit me up there, Simpson Las Vegas. And I'm also available by email at SimpsonLasVegas at Yahoo.com. Last but not least, Mr. Chuck Munster, where can people track you down? Um... <laughs> what? No witty response? The ba- the I'm bastard. on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't track me down. Don't track me down until next week. Please. Send, we, send uh, your uh, emails to Dev Null to reach yes. uh, Chuck Munster. <laughs> uh, Vegastripping.com for those that are uh, paying attention. Um, you can find me at ratevegas.com. Thanks to everybody, um, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.